0: I've gotta find my way back
1: four three two one what is going on everybody you are tuned into another episode of styles and Driss. and we are coming to you live and direct from none other than the rock Lords slash soul steppers headquarters here in minneapolis minnesota
2: lovely north side
1: north yep north to be exact shout out to the north side shout out to the north side It is a beautiful day, 45 Mm -hmm. degrees, but we're about to get dumped on by snow in the next couple of days, and I hope that's it after that, but highly doubtful, because it's Minnesota. Yeah. We might as well say that we're going to get snow, like, in July. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Anyways,
2: what's good, Mr. Turnstile? Oh, man. I I pulled my middle back from the session on Thursday, because we thought it was a good idea to be fucking around with breaking moves and I haven't done or attempted to do a 90 in a really long time. Oh, so, you know, I, I drilled a couple of those and yeah, it was like the very next day I was just like, Oh, yep. There we go. That is the reason why I don't actively practice breaking.
1: Yeah. (laughs) You know, it's, uh, when you stick, when you don't constantly practice, Mm um, dance disciplines like that yep and that shit can really leave your body mm-hmm. like uh, a week prior to session um it was like what on saturday or sunday i think it was sun might have been saturday or sunday mm-hmm. uh when Knoxander was in town we were getting down on the breaking tip mm-hmm. like we decided to go off on footwork rounds mm-hmm. that saturday session and that shit sucked mm-hmm. i definitely felt it um like both of my wrists are just they're not in the position to be doing that stuff anymore right but i mean it's only because i haven't conditioned them to get back into it right which is like giving me second thoughts like maybe i should like condition my body to be to be a b-boy's body again right again you know yeah because i still firmly believe that breaking is the best workout you could ever do with your body Mm -hmm. um minus the injuries Mm -hmm. but it could be the best work you could ever do you just got to you know, stay away from like all the crazy shit, like the blowups and right. You know, most of the power moves and whatnot. But if you stick to like footwork, um, <clears throat> and all the other stuff, then I think you'll be okay.
2: Mm-hmm. You know, so. yeah, and getting that type of conditioning, um, really it adds a level to like the uh, the way that you're going to be able to loft on the house tip. Because, you know, with lofting, it's like you kind of have like an easy out because most of the time it's like very slow and draggy and flowy and whatnot. And with breaking, you're kind of um, I always equate it to like running on the balls of your feet as opposed to running like heel toe and or running flat foot even. So when you do that, it adds a different level of um, uh, like body awareness and like poise in your uh, poise in your movements, not poison. Um, but like when you don't actively drill that, like especially things like I, like you were saying, like footwork, there's, there's like specifics that are just very basic that actually give you like a whole nother level of like leverage and muscle memory and the ability to, you know, be down in like a crouched position for a long period of time without like worrying about your, like your calves cramping up or, um, shin splints or any of that kind of stuff, but you have to drill it. So yeah, I think I'm also, um, it's giving me the mindset of like getting back into doing like Roxwright drills, Yeah, which were, uh, for those of you who don't know, when right came out here to Minnesota, um, shout out to right and also to Moy, because both of them had really good conditioning ideas and drills. And um, the the premise, the basic premise is a pyramid set, and what you do is you start with either you're jogging in place, or you're even doing, like, uh, tops. Like, you're you're just doing, like, a simple cross-step. And then you kick into your footwork, and you only do a six-step, right? You do one rotation of a six-step, and you do that for so, so many repetitions. So, like, let's say you do ten um, six-steps in, like, one direction. Then you do ten push-ups, and then you pop back up, and then you start doing tops again. And then it's kind of like you're waiting almost for, like, the whistle to blow. So if you think of it, like, every... 20 seconds or every 30 seconds and then once it's like bam you hit the ground again but now you do the opposite direction um some people like to go 10 9 8 so like you know you do 10 on one direction and then the next time you go nine in the opposite direction and then nine push-ups and then eight and seven and so on i like to be symmetrical because i don't want my body to get used to one direction over another like doing more repetitions one way than the other so i usually keep it like I'll start with, like, fives. I'll do five and fives. So I'll go, like, five in one direction, five push-ups, pop back up, um, tops, and then kick down five in the opposite direction, five push-ups. That's one set. And then go four, three, two, and then one. And then finally climb my way back up and go, you know, the same way. So one and one, two and two, three and three, four and four and five and five. And then after that, you know, you, you, like, you set out with, like, um, you know any additional drills like uh, CCs or kickouts, or you know things like that. But, um, but yeah, that's that's actually that's a really good. Uh, I mean, you can basically use that as like Tabata training as well. A lot of breakers don't realize this, but the way that they train is more in line with a sprinter than it is with like a marathon runner. So when they decide, like, hey, I am gonna get my cardio up, and you know, I am gonna go run for like sixty minutes, it's like that's cool but you got to think about it pragmatically with your discipline. So you say, okay, well 60 minutes at a steady pace is not going to compare to if you had three rounds in a competition or even like if it's like a like a show, not a showcase, but like a heads up uh, battle where it's like five rounds or something. You have to train like you're going for those five rounds. So you're not going to have 60 minutes to just constantly, you know, kind of hit a stride it's like, no, you're going from like standing there to all of a sudden, boom, it's your round and you got to go. And then afterwards you've got a very limited shelf life. Cause you might get, you know, people who are strategic that'll go out and they'll just do a little nothing bullshit round. They're like the first two rounds just to get you off your base. Cause you know, you might've gone out there and, you know, done a whole bunch of elaborate shit and they just go out there and they respond with like, you know, a go down quick footwork into a freeze and then zip back up. And that's their round. And you go, Oh shit. Now I'm tired. And I got to go back out there again. So, yeah, so it's like, it's, it's a better idea in my opinion to get used to those types of, um, those types of like training modalities. And then that way, you know, you can kind of endure a little bit more. And then also, you know, you kind of have like a, like an hourglass, you know, of like how much sand you're willing to put into each round, you know, cause like some dancers have a tendency to do that where they'll go out and they'll say everything they need to say in less than 30 seconds. And then other people, they have like this, like long dissertation with their footwork and a long story they want to tell and stuff. So, yeah, I, I like I like training like that because then it kind of gets you into a different type of shape. And then when you do something like house, now you can take your time because you go, oh yeah, you know I can. This is actually a, a cakewalk because I can groove for so long, hit the floor, do this, that, and the other, and get back up. And then you know I'm good. But you know with breaking, it's kind of like. You really like, you know, you hit you hit the ground hard. Like you really have a, a definite agenda with that. You know, to be able to have that dynamic uh, movement and body control and everything. So, so yeah. So I'm a I'm a big uh, propagator of that. I need to get back into that. So, I think there's a way to utilize running,
1: for example, on a treadmill. If you're training for breaking, over, it's it's honestly the best for <clears throat> rocking. Right. Uh, one thing that Stepchild and I used to do. When we get ready for rocking battles, is we would go on the treadmill when we get we're tired, we're bored of dancing because mm-hmm. you can't get bored of dancing. Um, we would go on the treadmill and we would run like three songs. Mm-hmm. And you know, if you're familiar with rocking, there's three components: there's the freestyle jerks and burns mm-hmm. burn components. And we would jog during the freestyle component of rocking, right? And we would sprint during the, the break. The break. So like the go off basically where you'd start burning and doing jerks mm-hmm. and stuff and whatnot. And we would just replay jerk like our burns in our head, our imaginary burns in our head, like over and over, like right. throughout the whole duration. But that's how Step John I used to do it. Now I think for breaking you could probably do the same thing, but you know, you would just have to like literally be go more with a with a traditional interval interval training. Yep. Where you, you know, jog for 30 seconds and run for a minute mm-hmm. you know and i think that can benefit you a long way but still then you know at the end of it it's though i think that's more so pr- everyone's different mm-hmm. but i think that's more so appropriate if you get bored of the dance or right you get tired of it or you're trying to like you know shy away from you feel like from an injury that you feel like is coming along mm-hmm. um i think at the end of it when it comes down to which one outweighs the other, you have to stick to, like, your actual discipline. Yeah. So if you're going to train breaking, you got to train breaking. But, right. you know, maybe use that interval mindset mm-hmm. to train and breaking, which is what a lot of professional B-boys and B-girls do anyways. Mm-hmm. Now, in terms of house, it's kind of hard to tell because right. there really isn't a set way to train for house. I mean, you know, at least here in the U.S., the mindset isn't to necessarily train. Mm-hmm. Not, is it like, not like in Europe where there are athletes over there, so they have a specific training regimen for what they do with house. I have yet to understand what that is. I have yet to experience what that is. You know, I haven't trained in Europe. Mm -hmm. I've only been there and danced. Mm -hmm. but eventually one day I would like to just go out there for like two weeks and train with somebody. Right. And see, excuse me, how it all works out. But, um, here though, you know, like, each dancer is different the mindset isn't there but each dancer is different like me like i have a specific training regimen i've already put you through the ringer of that yep and stuff now it's like imagine doing that shit on your own right you know like i did that shit in my house Mm -hmm. in my basement and it just worked out for me right um that's why for the most part i could outlast a lot of dancers Mm -hmm. you know like i may look like a really big guy but I can outlast a lot of people right. when it comes down to it, because I've trained myself to, and I've put myself in a mental state to be able to push forward mm-hmm. and stuff. And even if the pain is there, it's like, fuck it. you know, like at the end of the day, I'm still going to outlast this person right. regardless. Cause I want it
2: that bad. Yeah. You know? So, I mean, yeah, the, the thing that <clears throat> I also take into consideration when it, when it comes to house is that house is a little bit more of the marathon, just like rocking. Where it's, you know, the, the the thing that people forget about when it, they, when it comes to breaking is that this is cherry picking a very specific part of a song and then editing that part of the record down or, you know, um, a producer might, you know, go ahead and just create like a, a loop for that break, right? So you go out and you hunt and you find that song now, and, um, or maybe the, the original song that it was sampled from, and you realize that that was only like less than like 15 seconds of, of a loop. Um, so it's nice to be able to have those different types of um, mindsets for things like, okay, so this is going to be like a distance thing. So yeah, like, like a prime example, one of the best songs to actually work on that interval, <clears throat> the, uh, the running interval, that i found um when uh, step and i and annie were, were also training it was uh doing uh we were running to listen to me and also um uh booker t with um uh, what's it called melting pot melting pot because those are like they're classic songs it's very predictable where the where the breakdown is going to be and the breakdown isn't just one part of the song too it's like a kind of a it's like a it's almost like part of like a chorus it's like a musical chorus so you'll know okay this is the part where you jog pace yourself and then all of a sudden here you go there and then you you start jogging or uh sprinting and then now boom back to the the jog and then ride out the jog and like learn how to pace yourself um focusing on your breathing and stuff and then yeah and then when you do get back into the actual movements of rocking. What's nice is that now you got all you got like an extra gear that you can go into. But then you what you still have to also appreciate and remember and this is something that I've always admired about you um is that you kind of remind me of like Tyson Fury. You know, you're you're like a heavyweight fighter that can also go the entire distance and still have something left in the tank versus other guys who will go out there and they just have all this power and you know, if they can't if they can't finish you in the first 3 rounds, then that's kind of it. You're you're towing them out into deep water, and like you have the ability to. Um, and this is something that I think that like a lot of dancers need to take into consideration: is train like you're going to the finals. Don't don't just sit there and say, "Oh, I hope I get past prelims." No, be prepared because you might not have that much experience, but maybe you just hit like a really good stride at um, an event. And now you made it past prelims, you made it past top 16, maybe even the um, the final four or, you know, the semis. And if you cannot be creative and also, like, still have, like, that um, stamina, then you might just be gassed out just simply by the fact that you've, like, run out of uh, content or you know, articulation and what you do and you're just like, yeah, man, I didn't think I was even gonna make it past prelims and shit. Now I'm in the the semis and I'm just getting fucking roasted by this person. So yeah, so it's like always keeping all those different factors in mind when you train is super important. Otherwise you might even have like a, a dancer that you know you are better than. Um, like as far as like technique and everything, but they just, you know, they're in it for the they're in it for the win. And, you know, you were just surprised. You were like, oh, I'm happy to even be at the show kind of a thing. And, yeah, you, you go into that with that mindset, then you're probably going to get towed out into deep water and then, like, left. And, you know, you're going to be lucky if you make it back. And then I've seen, like, other dancers who will, will – they, they almost have, like, a thing where they go, not only do I train for the finals, but I also train as if I was going to have to go through it twice. So that way when I get to the finals the first time in my in my mind – it's like I've got so much extra uh, jump left that if this gets to a tiebreaker or if it gets to some other kind of decision or that person decides to call me out after the event, then you know they still have something to draw off of. Versus just being like, dude, I'm so fucking gassed right now. I'm just going to sit over by the bar and just chill and you know hope that my knees don't you know collapse on me or whatever. So yeah, I think that that type of conditioning is something to be um, still utilized, even if you get past the point of like, where you're no longer actively competing, but you still want to stay in good shape, you know? And that's why we got, you know, fighters right now who will retire. And if they didn't get, you know, concussed too much, they still do their discipline. You know, Floyd Mayweather can go out there and still fight, you know, as, as old as he is, he can still go out there and just fight because he's such a good defensive boxer, but he also just, he never stops training. There's other guys, you know, like, as soon as, like, they win the title or as soon as they retire or whatever, they just go right to the couch. And then they put all this weight back on. um, And then somebody decides, like, hey, listen, we're going to give you, you know, several million dollars to get into this fight. So now they've got, like, you know, maybe eight weeks to get prepped for that. While, like, Floyd never stops. You know, I mean, he's probably going to be one of those those guys like Clint Eastwood where he's going to be, like, in his, his 80s and shit and still... Looking like he's like carved out of wood. So, so yeah, so it's just something important to kind of just keep into consideration just for um, health and longevity. And as a dancer, you know, we, we always want to like have, we want to use those skills and continue to use them, even though we like thumb our nose at breaking when you get older. You're like, oh, I'm not going to be getting down on the floor like the rest of these kids. But you go, but there's so many great things that you could get from that that like a lot of people now are only learning in like alternative uh, training modalities, you know, like, uh, functional movement and all this shit where people are going like, Oh, you know, we're going to get up on a balance beam and we're going to do like pistol squats and all that kind of stuff. And we were just like, yeah, that's like, that's our bread and butter. Like we do that all the time. I think that, you know, that's something to be cautious of too when you get into something like weight training and other different types of training is like actually think about, um, as a dancer is having a 300 pound squat or deadlift going to help me in that aspect, you know, and like rocking is the same kind of way too. It's like, you know, it, what, what good is being able to put up that much, um, weight if I'm not going to do that in competition, you know, and then you say, okay, but if I can do, you know, lightweight, um, hack squats or like holding on to like the, uh, the end of like the, uh, the squat rack, like like the cage or whatever and doing, um, uh, like on the, the balls of your feet types of squats, and or holding a weight plate above your head and doing like squats like that 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 can actually help bulletproof your knees and really keep you in uh, good condition so when you do decide to you know get in a cipher and someone wants to pit rock against you or something you know you still got something that you can say as opposed to just being like you know my legs are fried i i haven't danced actively in 10 years or something like that and you'll probably just roast me so yeah
1: you have to cater your training to to what you are you know in search of doing right so if you're training for a house battle it might not be a really good idea for you to do you know to max out on an incline press right or what have you you know or right. it might not be a good idea to get super buff because you'll want to have some sort of flexibility yep to give you you know you know point of range for like doing any type of ground moves mm-hmm. that involve your arms and whatnot. Right. Um, uh, and I think that goes for like everything too. Mm-hmm. Like in, for example, in golf, like they say, it's probably not a good idea to be doing like bench presses. Right. Because it's going to limit your flexibility. Yep. for What you do, and you need to take the swing back. Right. And you know, it's so for a house, I feel like a lot of, le- a lot of cardio, a lot of leg work is very, very mm-hmm. important very vital. Um, you know, one thing that a lot of dancers, they forget to do is they forget to use their imagination when mm-hmm. they're training for a competition. You know, a lot of them, and we were kind of just talking about it, but, you know, this is pretty much segueing into this. You know, it's, yeah, do the conditioning, do the intervals, do all that, but don't forget to use your imagination, too. Yeah. Like you said, you know, train for the, as if you're going to go into the final, who do you want to see yourself in the final against? Mm-hmm. When I tra the last rocking event that I entered in person was uh rockin' house, mm-hmm. I wanna say. Yeah, I was rockin' house. And the person that I visioned myself in the finals against was Charlie Chillout. So I trained and I and mm-hmm. well, if you guys listen to one of the podcasts in Vegas, like I him, like, yeah, I trained for you. Right. Like I was literally training for you like um I had two weeks. Mm-hmm. You know, and then I was just gunning it every single day, training for you, getting ready, like studying your burns, studying your footage, Mm -hmm. the whole nine coming into it as like a fighter. Right. And then lo and behold, you didn't even show up because you had your own event. But I still made it to the finals. Yeah. You know, and so you have to put yourself in a mindset to use your imagination when you train. Mm -hmm. Like, even if it's like the silliest shit, like how would you, how, like how you're going to react to, to if somebody throws a move at you, like what's your, what's what is your emotion going to be? Right. Not saying, like, don't fucking, don't practice emotions, like, the whole fucking time. It's kind of cheesy. But at yeah. the same time, like, you know, how are you going to hold yourself when somebody blows up on you? Right. You know, like, if somebody throws, like, a if you're in rocking terms, if somebody throws a crazy burn at you, how are you going to take that? Yeah. In house, if somebody kills that beat, what's your reaction going to be? Right. You know? And breaking, if somebody executes their move, executes that freeze, sticks that freeze on you, what are you going to do? Mm-hmm. So you have to use your imagination when you train. Um, don't just limit yourself to like, you know, being a meathead and just going, 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 going. Right. You know?
2: Yeah. The, the other thing, um, shout out to Littlefoot because he also has a very um, intelligent protocol when it comes to his lifts. Cause he's um, also, he, he lifts uh, quite a bit and, Most of the time, even with like shorter guys, they'll always value the upper body over the lower body, but foot puts so much effort and emphasis into his legs, which is very wise because, you know, the legs are going to feed the wolf, right? And most of the other time when you see dancers that start getting into like weight training and stuff like that, they'll kind of like neglect the legs because you know they want to aesthetically look imposing up top Mm -hmm. um and like you were saying about with golf too you have to think about where where or what's going to be the value of having you know like a 300 pound bench press right if if you're saying okay well if i have to draw this back and i have to swing and have like an entire like motion that i have to like hit in order to um execute my um Uh, my technique then you have to you you kind of have to feel it you have to go like okay i've been emphasizing too much on upper body and more specifically like the front part of like the chest when i should be working on my back muscles and doing things like you know pull-ups or archers where you you do a pull-up but you hold yourself up at the top of the bar like your chin's above the bar and you pull yourself to like one hand and the other arm kind of extends out almost like you're like an archer and go back and forth as opposed to just trying to you know beef up your uh, your reps and trying to get your, like your back to be really imposing looking. Like you want to be able to have it where you're going to say, yeah, this this is going to be useful, especially if you hit the ground. Where you're um, a lot of dancers forget about this too. How important the back is. The back and the legs, in my opinion, as a dancer, are far more valuable than your biceps and your chest and things like that. Um, you see that a lot in like Capoeira as well like where even the the people that are more stocky they still have all this like range and flexibility to be able to hollow out their body because they're going to be doing like um, different variations of like aos or cartwheels and stuff and you want to have that where you're not doing a a handstand or a cartwheel and then just like falling over because you've got so much horsepower on one side of your body but like nothing on the back side of your body and you know jujitsu is a little bit different because in that case it's slower and more constrictive types of movements you're trying to like hold positions and like frame and things like that so as a dancer you're not going to want to like always take all the bjj conditioning drills and bring those directly over into your your dance because it's a a different type of animal in that case because when you're dancing against somebody you're only using movement you're there's no physical contact so there's no point in you being able to have you know like a really, really, really super strong uh, grip because you're not going to be grabbing onto anybody's gi or anything. You're, you're just going to be dancing against that person. And like in rocking, um, you think about rocking as uh, like martial arts. There's a real-time exchange that you have. It's not a call and response. You're not watching them do their round, and then you go in and do your round. So you have to train differently for that. And then in-house, there there is the... The this for that. There's a call and response. If it's a competition, not just a cipher, but even then, it's like you look at the people that are probably, the, in my opinion, some of the most uh, well conditioned um, people, like Frankie J or Hiro, um, and people like that. They have like an incredible um, ground game when it comes down to how they get in contact with the floor. And you can also tell when they when they hit the floor that uh, Frankie, for instance, uh, my observation has been that he's got like footwork up top footwork for days, but then he'll do a level change, not only to show the difficulty of what he's doing, but then also the fact that he can articulate what he's doing up top to the floor and say like, Hey, I can do this scribble foot up top and then very slowly and methodically I can transition, start sinking my body down until now I'm on the ground and I'm doing the same scribble foot and I'm not losing time. You know, I'm still hitting that same dot 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 dot, 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 dot. And he like goes down to the floor and then maybe he'll like, you know, handstand and um, like uh, do like a front walk over out of it back to his feet and still be keeping time and still stay on beat. So, you know, th- that kind of training, it takes a different type of mindset that I think um, sometimes dancers underestimate. They, they think that it's like, oh, well, okay, I, I do my dance. And then I go off and I do my conditioning. it's like, you got to kind of fuse those two together and say, okay, how can I do things, um, in my dance training, like even sets and runs that I'm going to treat as if they're conditioning drills too. So like what you were, uh, uh, intimating at before where you would have me do like a walkout with one technique and then come back, like go directly backwards with the same technique and then level change to like a mid-level and then out and then back and then finally like low level and then out and back which is fantastic because you also have to be able to train the retreat as much as you do the attack and uh you see that a lot in chess too where there's like players that just they only move their their pieces forward they don't think about like how do i retreat and then that way i'm setting up different combinations of, of of attack by making it look like i'm defending you know i put my queen out there and I bait you. You move an essential piece, and then I move my queen back to safety. But it was only because I was trying to get that draw that piece out. And now my queen and my rook or something are going to like flank you. And, all, and then all all it takes is you just being neglectful of that, and you're still moving forward trying to press the advantage. And then you walk right into a bear trap that I set up. So yeah, man, there's there's like so much stuff to take into consideration when it comes to the uh, complexities of of dance, and especially because our discipline um, as far as like street dances are concerned, we're more battle oriented than like other places, you know, like, um, with ballet, you don't, you don't battle. You You just, you just perform. Mm -hmm. And, you know, sometimes, I mean, you'll see like rivalries where maybe like two people in the same company decide to really try to outdo each other, (laughs) you know, in the middle of like the show where Mm -hmm. the one guy will do five pirouettes more than what was needed, but only to show, you know, that, yeah, even though I'm playing a lesser part, I'm actually the better dancer. And then, <clears throat> uh, case in point, when I went to see Swan Lake and it was the, um, um, I, I want to say it was the Bolshoi um, troupe that was out, that was doing that, but the guy who stole the show was the guy who played the court jester. And there's like this big like banquet scene in Swan Lake where it's like, where the prince and the uh um the swan uh, princess kind of meet each other for the first time and stuff and everyone's like all focused on that part of the story and then the the fool the guy who's playing the fool comes out and just fucking owns it and everybody was like whoa we don't even really care about the rest of the plot this guy just you know completely snapped and 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 you saw it too you saw it in his physicality and also even in the way that like when he was done he kind of just was like like kind of passively smiling to himself like yeah i know know i'm the shit you know so you know keeping those things in, in mind too is great because then it'll also get like your opponents to underestimate you and think you know you know who are you you're just you know you're just some og leader of the community you don't you don't got sharp teeth anymore and you're like i'm an og for a reason right and then if you decide to call me out in the cypher or i decide last minute to participate in a battle and people are just like oh snap you know this uh, this person's coming out and they're going to dance. They're they're actually going to compete. I always only ever see them judge and do so, uh, showcases, but they come on. They can still they can still burn and they can still get down. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's, it's important things to consider. It's a whole different
1: um, it's a whole different atmosphere and a whole different aura when you see like an OG or a veteran from your community enter a battle. Yeah, especially a local one. Yep. Because now you're kind of like all these thoughts come into play. Like what the fuck? Like they're right. entering? Wow, seriously? Um, I don't know like no way really like hiding it but I guess now I'm coming to a point where I am starting to become go into that place where I am an OG of the community now mm-hmm. and uh, every time I battle there's always like it's like a whole different aura where people are like holy shit this right. dude's gonna enter a local battle even if it's like it's local but still mm-hmm. you know national international like house of dance anniversary right people are still like oh shit you know and mm-hmm. it's it's a cool thing like, it's fun to see, you know, OGs like Stepchild and Jason enter, too.
2: Or Digi. And
1: yeah, or even Digital, yeah. you know, because for me, like, these are the guys that I grew up watching. Mm-hmm. So, like, it It kind of brings back my inner youth again, you yeah. know, where it's like, wow, like, this is some nostalgic shit right here. Right. And if they win it, it's even better. Yeah. You know? Um, Kind of going back to training here, though, uh, when I... Was it on Tuesday when I taught my class? Mm -hmm. A lot of them had questions about you know, uh, you know. One of them was, "How do you, how like when I'm doing the move, I feel I don't feel like that sense of coolness, Mm -hmm. you know, where like you you make it look very cool." And they're talking about the move like the grapevine, yeah. Like you make the grapevine look very cool. When I feel it when I do it, I don't feel cool at all. And Mm -hmm. I tell them like the reason why. And uh, first of all, I tell them first of all, it's not called being cool; it's called being comfortable yeah and the reason why you don't look comfortable is because you don't train like you don't do this constantly you don't practice it at home you you, yeah you might expect to get it here in class or at session but you don't practice it anywhere else but here right if you practice it at home i promise you you're gonna get what you call cool yeah you're gonna feel it it's just a matter of feeling comfortable Mm -hmm. um and then you know they started going into more about the movement like and then that's why i stressed out i was like look if you, that's where I stress that about the whole idea of you know, less is more. Yeah. really. In in the real scheme of things, less is more mm-hmm. in house. And I'm going off of a lesson that I learned from Jardy, where what it was a lesson that Cricket taught him, where it's like you could just well, you can enter a house battle and win win a house battle just off of three moves alone. Yeah, you don't need a you don't need to know like twenty fucking house dance moves. Right. You know. Right. All you need to know is three moves, and you got to understand them inside and out meaning you got to know how to build off of them. Right. And you have to be comfortable with them. Yep. you know, And you can win a house battle because the beautiful thing about house house dancing is that you can take one simple move and you can flip it in so many different ways to where unless you are a teacher or someone that's experienced, you won't be really be able to recognize that, oh, shit, that's actually a heel step mm-hmm. that this person flipped in a whole completely different move. Yep. So I was telling them, like, look, if you it, There's nothing wrong with having an arsenal of moves, house dance moves. Mm-hmm. I'm just telling you that it's not really important. Yeah. What's important is, you know, knowing at least one or two and being able to translate that with the music. The right. music's the most important thing out of everything that we're learning here. Right. You know, which is why I keep switching and switching and switching songs, song after song after song. Because to give you the idea of like, okay, if we're only going to move to... Oh, I don't know. Uh, cranes in the you know cranes in the sky. If we're only going to move in move to that, then that's all you will know. Yep. But h- guess what? Here's a variety of music. Yep. And guess what we're doing? We're doing the same exact fucking move to all these different songs. Right. So I tell them, like, you want to practice a move to the point where you're comfortable with it. To the point where you no longer have to think about it. Mm-hmm. So when you're in the club or in a battle, you're not thinking about the move you're doing. You're thinking about the song. You're thinking about the music. You're right. thinking about the vibe, the environment. The move should be the last thing that you think about. Yeah. And I tell him, like, that's why I can do this shit. At, I don't have to really think about it so much. I can right. I mean, just do it just like that. Yep. You know, uh, granted, I'm not perfect. But, yeah, there are some moves like, the, like around the world or you know, the Dodger, mm-hmm. where I have to think about that shit because yeah. I didn't train it the way I should train it. Right. But, you know, case in point, the moves are the last thing you need to be worried about. It's more so the music. Mm-hmm. Um, tell everyone, pick three moves. That's it. Pick three moves. The okay. only time you should know, have an arsenal of moves and understand them is if you're going to teach this dance. Right. If you, if you, and again, no one's perfect, but if you're going to teach this dance and you only know three, dude, then you better be able to explain like uh, how many countless ways to, to break, to build off of these three moves that you know. Yeah. You know? And it's kind of, there's a lot of teachers, and this is probably might be going a little deep, but there are a lot of teachers today that teach on feeling. Mm mm-hmm. And, it's tough, like it's hard because I try to do it too. Right, but one thing that a lot of teachers try to do is they try to teach their students to f- how to feel. You mm-hmm. can't really teach them how to feel. You got to let them figure that out on their own. Yep. But you can show them what you do to feel. Yep. You know, and, and the mindset of feeling. But it's it's kind of hard to like be like you know, do you feel it? Like you got to feel it like this. You know, it's it's more so like no. This is what I feel. Yeah, this is where where I'm at, and it might not look like that right now, but this is what I feel. Yeah, and stuff, and
2: I don't know, kind of touchy there. Yeah, well, and, whatever. <laughs> and, and keeping um, keeping things in a perspective too, when you um, when you teach things, there's going to be times where, like, yeah, you're working on a very specific technique. And you're saying, okay, we're, we're working on this so that way we can get the form down. But then once you've gotten the form, then the natural progression is supposed to be now you seek the formless, like, like you were saying. Like, how can I perfect that movement to the point where I can do that at, at will and not think about it? And then now you start noticing that you start to fall into a different type of pocket because you're no longer thinking about keeping count. You're no longer thinking about, are my feet in the right place? All that stuff's already there. Now you're thinking about like okay how can I dance how can I do the same technique to the shaker of the track, you know there might be like a as opposed to going after the kick, or you know you're going after the hi hat you know and uh, I, I was explaining that to um, somebody at, at a session this uh, last Thursday about that because he was uh, he was working on um, the uh, the farmer and also like uh, the jack and I said there's there's different nuances that you can do. So once you've actually gotten the movement down and he, it's funny because he, he kind of, he already has it. He, he naturally already has it. It's just that he's thinking he's going back and he's overthinking it a little bit too much. And I, and I said, okay, so you've already got the move. What you're trying to do now is you're trying to force the move rather than just, you know, let it naturally manifest. Um, so if you just relax, you're going to start to notice that, um, even with house music, you when you do a, a jack, for instance, as a move, it does look very. Um, it looks like, it's like it's like you're trying to dance as opposed to just dancing. Mm-hmm. If that makes any sense, yep. and you don't want to do that, like if you're going to be ciphering or if you're going to be in a competition you don't want to stop and like clap your hands and then go into a move and then like have the judges going like, okay, you're, you're trying to telegraph to us that you are going to transition to this next move rather than just flowing from one move to the next, to the next, to the next. And also, um, as a lot of dancers uh, sometimes will even tell you too, they'll go like, you were running a set or a, t- a bunch of techniques, but this person was actually articulating a sentence. They were trying to say something with their entire run you know, they, you know, you were, you know, kind of just like still on the the C spot run, you know, see Dick and Jane play with the dog, you know, like it, it was all like very like elementary type of like reading while this person goes, well, I think this and this and that, and that da, 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 exclamation point. And you go, wow, that, that was amazing the way that you just kind of came out there to that song. You maybe reacted to the lyrics or you reacted to the beat itself, or maybe it was even the tempo. Um, a lot of people underestimate that too in house dancing. That you're um there's like a sweet spot where a lot of people talk about, like you know, the one twenty three, like one twenty two, one twenty three. But then there's gonna be ta- there's gonna be times where there's like a track that's like one twenty five or one twenty eight, and you go, wow, this is too fast. I don't think I can do this. Um, I had a conversation one time with a guy who was doing capoeira, and he was stuck on. The fact that he could only do capoeira, he, you, you could you could tell that he was kind of like indoctrinated by um, capoeira in the sense that he was only dancing to whatever his teachers were playing. So it was like the slower tempo kind of stuff. And I think we were listening to some um, uh, some like Latin hustle, and he was like, "Yeah," he goes, "I," he's like, I, "I can't do capoeira to this. This is this is too fast." And I was like, "Okay, well." you'll know that there are capoei when they when they set up a hoda where like they'll be like really like fiery songs that they'll play like stuff where it's like this this is not finger painting right now this is gonna this is like all-out war we're, we're we're really going after it and he was like oh i i don't think so and you just you're so sure about it and i said okay well you know it's because you kind of got like uh you know um like a kind of the gold belt fever, right? Like right after you've advanced like one level, you kind of think that this is all there is. And, and then until you finally get to like a black belt level where you go, there's going to be songs that are going to be super slow and there's a lot of control. There's also going to be stuff that's like so fast that you almost don't even know if you can move to that. But the black belt seems to be comfortable in, in all the situations. And it's because they got experience, you know, they, they branch out and they dance to different tempos of music And they try different things and they say, okay, well, in this in this case, I'm not going to do slow controlled movements. I'm actually, everything's going to be more fast and dynamic. And then these things are really where it's, I'm going to be showing like my prowess on my control and like holding static positions or doing things like really like slow leg drags to trip you or to like heel hook you and things like that. So I explained to him, I said, um, because he was talking about that with like house and stuff too. And he goes, yeah, he goes, you know, you guys all kind of dance to like this like slower grooved type of music. And I go, well, it's a matter of perspective. I said, um, you know, there's some tracks that you'll play that are really fast. I mean, the stuff that like Chicago footwork um, practitioners love, they, they'll eat that shit up. They, they want something at like 128 or even higher and they'll just snap on that. And then you go ahead and pull the e-brake on them and play something that's like 120 and they're like, fuck, dude, I can't do any of my stuff. And that's because like, they, they don't really, they don't really challenge themselves to want to go and dance to like the slower, slower grooved, uh, things. So I said, yeah, you, you just have to be conscious enough once you've perfected a move to now see if you can bring it to like a lower, a lower frequency or a higher frequency and see if you can dance it faster or slower. mm mm-hmm. And, you know, just experiment and play around with stuff. And that that's how you become a more competent dancer. And then people won't just say that you're a good stylist. They won't just say, oh, you're a, a great B-boy or you're a great house dancer. It's like they'll say, wow, you're just a good dancer mm-hmm. in general. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we've seen that all, all all around, you know, where there's, like, there's B-boys who are great at the art of breaking. But then if they're at an after party and it's not a break, they won't fucking dance. Yeah, deer in the headlights. Yep. And then you'll see other people where you go, wow, that, that fool didn't even get past, uh, prelims, but they came out to the after party and they just fucking killed all night. They were just a cypher head Mm -hmm. and you're like, wow, you know, you're, you're a really good dancer. And you know, that's, that's why I also enjoy, um, the variances that you also get from dancing with different types of people. Um, you'll learn a lot by dancing with people of different body types and, um, you know, so like taller people will have different types of movements that you can really like focus on and go, wow, this, this cat was able to like, you know, do all this incredible shit, even though they're like six, five. And then there's another person who's like, you know, four eleven that can also do incredible shit. And, you know, it doesn't mean that you kind of sit there and lament and go, damn, I wish I was like, you know, a foot taller, or I wish that my, my legs weren't so short or, you know, all this other stuff, or do you just kind of say, oh, wow, I just have to learn how to adapt first be comfortable within your own body type and then start to like draw from like other dancers and see how people with like taller frames or if they're heavier or if they're lighter or if they're shorter or, you know, anything and then see how they interpret the music and then go, okay, and, and just observe. And then you start to practice and try things and then you can get into mindsets too and say like, how would I dance to this if I was like seven feet tall? Kind of a thing. Like, how would I dance to really take up space? Or how would I dance to kind of constrict and, like, stay in almost one spot? And, you know, even if the cipher is really, really super tight, I've seen tall dancers that are in a cipher that's... if, If they just put out their arms, they would touch, like, everybody. Like, right on the bridge of their nose. And they can hold that space of, like, you know, three feet by three feet. Like, nobody's business. And they can dance well. And you're like, fuck, dude. That's... That's something to really, really like work on it. Cause that, again, going back to the OG thing, that is a level of experience that you get from years of dancing in the, the, the least ideal of situations. You know, you're like, Oh yeah, this one famous bar or this famous club. And you went out there and you go, damn, this place is tiny. And they're like, yeah, but this was, this is what we had. So I had to learn how to dance in like really tight circles. And this place would be packed to the gills and, You know, or, you know, you were like a foot away from a table and stuff. And they would dance and say, I I, I never knocked over a drink. I never kicked anybody's beer out of their hand or anything when I did my shit. So, yeah. Speaking of experience, um, I had like
1: a, I don't even know if it's really called an epiphany or not. But uh, I was chuckling about that because on thursday so thursdays i'm going to be in the next mixtape show mm-hmm. um i'm not going to be a choreographer and for those of you that are wondering what mixtape is it's a show that's produced by um by uh, b-boy Jason who's an og here in minnesota uh battle cats he's been on our podcast so if you're wondering who that is just scroll back and you'll see his episode but um you know, he's the curator of a show called The Mixtape, which is performed in downtown Minneapolis at the Kohl Center. Mm-hmm. And uh, he asked me, it's been a while, I took a break from doing like straight up performances mm-hmm. for a while because I wanted to just, I was kind of tired of it and I, don't know, I just wanted to do my own thing, mm-hmm. like teach and all that shit. But you know he asked me and uh it just worked out that my schedule's aligned with it and I was like oh fuck it you know it's been a while it's kind of easy money i'm not choreographing this one so i don't really have to like go crazy with it right uh, i'm just basically going to be you know what you call a backup dancer mm-hmm. so it's me and stepchild you know we we decided to do it and it's just like straight up for a top rock piece kinda cuz there's some house moves in there mm-hmm. but it's for a top rock piece and um you know, we're, like, Tuesday or Thursday was the first day of our rehearsal. And we are, like, learning this shit on the spot. And, you know, Stepshot and I are learning it from Jason around the spot. And I was cracking. I was kind of chuckling to myself because I'm like, we're, we have to learn three sets. And we are getting this, like, left and right. Yeah. Like it's Like, it's nobody's business. And I'm thinking to myself, like, if you took a dancer that... You know, maybe they've been dancing for five years or so, or like maybe they're super into choreo, I guarantee they wouldn't be able to get this shit on the fly. And I think the reason for that is because, for one, it's top rock, and we both have, like, yeah, Stepchon have backgrounds in breaking, Mm -hmm. and there's some house and there's some rocking, actually. There's like, it's a mix. So we have backgrounds in those, those, and, and at the end of it, we're experienced with doing these shows Mm -hmm. so it's it kind of brings me to to uh, when i was first when i was watching interviews on new edition the Mm -hmm. the group yep and they were like you know how was it performing and kind of going back on stage and you know learning the choreography they were like we didn't really practice we just got it down right then and there because we've been doing this for so long where it's like it's ingrained into our body right where we could just snap into it when we need to yep and that's exactly what happened at our first rehearsal Mm -hmm. you know as we just snapped right into it and you know it's it's um it's just funny because we snap right into it got a few you know rockiness getting got a few like rocky edges like out of the way but Mm -hmm. the the show's in may so given how many rehearsals until then it's, it's gonna be super sharp right and it's funny because you know stepchild and i haven't performed with jason in like damn near five years right so but we still got it like yeah. that, you know? And it's just, it's amazing when, what your body can do, mm-hmm. um, especially with stuff like that. Yeah. You know, so
2: how does that feel getting back into that type of um, realm of discipline? Cause like for those of you who don't know, Jason runs like a really tight ship too. where it's not a, you don't just sit there and like take a knee and wait until it's your turn to fucking do air tracks or some bullshit. It's like, Jason's like, nope. You are supposed to learn this. There's a very specific spot for you. I'm going to show you these moves, these techniques, and then you're supposed to be in your spot. So that way, when I turn my body here, you're going to be right where you're supposed to be. So, how does that feel for you? Like getting kind of back into that groove and um, that that regimentation. Well, you
1: know, like I said, it's experience. Yeah. So it didn't really feel any different from Mm -hmm. like the last time I did it. Right. Because it was so. Because prior to the last show I did with him, I did like four shows with him mm-hmm. prior to that. So it's like I kind of, I knew what I was getting myself into. Yeah, I know what I'm expecting. Um, you know, and like I know how Jason works. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So it's, I think the only, it might have been a slight challenge, but the only thing that I had to like revamp again was, you know, getting used to, what was it? Was getting used to following the lead. Yeah. You know, because with the shows that I've done with him and for him, I'm usually one of the choreographers as well. Mm -hmm. So I'll go through his shit and then he'll go through my shit. You know what I mean? But this time it's like, I'm just straight up. I'm basically a prop. Right. Is what's going on here. And, you know, I just had to get used to that again. Mm -hmm. But again it was easy it was like all right you know it's just a matter of like getting through the grunt work of it Mm -hmm. you know and my body isn't the same as it was five years ago so you know, kind of have to exercise things it's kind of funny because i was looking at step and i was like shit man we're gonna lose so much weight now that we're back and doing these performances because if it's one thing like i lost a lot of weight being in jason's shows Mm -hmm. because you're dancing for 13 minutes straight yeah non-stop and if you add on the rehearsal time the tech rehearsal dress rehearsal all that shit man it's like it there's no reason to why I shouldn't shed like five to ten pounds right. by the end of it all yeah because it's it's intense like and what I love about and respect about Jason is that he puts himself through that bullshit too yeah he's the person that I that I um took the mindset from of you know don't just put your students or your performance through the ringer. Put yourself through it too, because yeah. so, you have to lead by example. Yep. So if it wasn't for him, wasn't for me experiencing that through him, I wouldn't have, you know, taken that knowledge and you know, casted it out to my classes. Right? It's like I put myself through the bullshit too. because yeah. In a day, you know, you can't just sit there on your fat ass and just like you know tell people what to do. You got to mm-hmm. get into the mix as well.
2: Yep. You know, and that's that's something that like. I think folks have a tendency to forget when you look at, especially like things like elite training, like, you know, the Navy SEALs are a good example, right? You'll have people running up and down the beach in soft sand. And they think that, you know, they're the only ones who are suffering. It's like, but your, your master chief, that's also leading the, the drill is also running alongside of you, yelling at you. You know, they're, they're, they're not sitting there like on some sand dune, drinking coffee, watching you from a distance And then they just radio in once in a while and say, okay, you guys need to do this or do that. It's like they're right alongside you. They might not be, you know, ankle deep in the water, so to speak, but they're equally suffering because they, they, I mean, what they do also takes time and it takes discipline and it takes energy, you know, in order for them to stay, like, to be able to talk to you and not be out of breath or, you know, stop and like you know, put their hands on their hips and just be like, Oh God, I'm getting, I'm getting old. I'm getting gassed and all that kind of shit. It's like, no, fuck that. They're, they're yelling at you because they're trying to train you to be able to move as one unit. And, you know, they're trying to keep you alive and they're trying to keep all their students alive. Cause that's where they feel like that's their failure. If all of a sudden, you know, they have a, um, a team that gets generated and it gets put out on active duty and they lose everybody they go, that was on my watch. That was my failure. Yeah. So, yeah, um, there's a lot of respect that um, is given to Jason because of the fact that he puts himself out there and says, okay, I'm not just going to fucking... Like, again, there's always like the the running joke that we used to have back in the day was um, whenever there'd be like a performance piece and sometimes like b-boys would forget the choreography. So they would do the, uh, the agree knee. Where they would like they would they would drop down to one knee, and just put their roll. put their put their hands on their knee, and then just start nodding their head to the beat mm-hmm. and waiting for like the next part of the choreography for them to jump in, mm-hmm. kind of like yeah I'm I'm with this, and it's just like yeah you fucked up on the choreography and you forgot yeah. that part, so yeah
1: yeah with um, yeah I'm not I'm not envious at all yeah. of not being a choreographer for this for this season because right. I'm like fuck that you because mm-hmm. then I have to remember. I have to make shit up, get I gotta get tap into my creative side again and then right. I gotta start counting again and I fucking hate counting in yeah. dance, you know. I'd rather just do the damn thing. Um granted, you know, the counts <laughs> I'm learning counts now from Jason, but still it's like I don't have to think about one thing, it's just getting the damn piece down. I yeah. don't have to think about making sure that everyone has it down.
2: Right. And Yeah, and, that, you know. and that's something that like I, I also appreciate because Jason has so much um, discipline when it comes down to the pieces that he creates. Um, I've had it when I was doing performances with my old crew, Forgotten Elements, where um, especially because of like time and like uh, work and everything, it was very difficult for me to be there with everybody because you know some people were just like, yeah, I, I work early in the day so we've got you know from 4 p.m till 9 p.m to run the choreography and work on that and then I was always the person on the back burner that would have to do something like either they would have to video record everything and then I'd have to watch it while I was at work and they would stop in like certain parts and they would like break the fourth wall and talk to the camera and say okay now styles you are going to be over here on the right next to Tracy and then so then um you know Omar somebody would jump in and basically do the part that was for me. So that way I would see what it looks like and I have that tangibility. And then finally there'd be, you know, a rehearsal where I could make it, you know, it'd be on, on a weekend or something, or, you know, at a different uh, time of the day. And I go in there and I would jump in. And, and what was good about that was that that also taught me the ability to uh, not necessarily like cram, you know, like how people procrastinate. And then like the night before the test, they got to learn the entire year's curriculum just so they can try to be competent at the test. It was more like I practiced so much at home that by the time that they said, okay, you know, we've got a week before we do this at Patrick's Cabaret. So Styles, you know, um, we're specifically going to be doing these these, uh, dress rehearsals and these like dry runs with you in mind. So can you make it out here on Saturday, Sunday or, you know, uh, Friday night or this time or that time? I'm like, yeah, I'll, I'll be able to make that and then I get out there and then they were just like okay yep you got it okay cool and then we were ready to go and then you know we we had a we had some su- uh, successful um, performances that got reactivated later like someone would see it at Patrick's and they would turn around and say hey we've got this thing going on like 2 months from now so can y'all like come out and do it then too and we'd have to just go back and maybe either if it was like rewatching our footage or if we just memor- memorized it because it was all muscle memory and just, we just had to you know run it like three or four times back to back mm-hmm. and we got it down again. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, those are, those are really good skills to have because then they help you in the professional world quite a bit. Mm-hmm. They teach you how to perform well under pressure. And that's a, a thing that I really liked about, um, you know, the time when I was like actively dancing um, in that realm I was able to turn around and, like, do stuff at work, and they would go, oh, hopefully this isn't, you know, too short a notice for you to, like, learn a whole new set of job tasks or something. I'm like, no, this I'm, I'm used to this all the time. I'm always used to, like, hey, by the way, so and so is not going to be able to make it, so can you do their part? You know, and I go, okay, what do I got to do? And they would show me, and I go, all right, I got it. And then, you know, we would hit it, and I was able to adapt. But there's other people that just can't deviate from, Whatever it is they did, they said, no, I was practicing this specific thing to this side. I was, like, on the left side of the of the troop, and now, last minute, they want me to be on the right side of the troop. Oh, shit, I'm, I'm not going to be able to do this. And I was just like, no, nope, I just got to think in, in reverse now and say, okay, now everything's going to be going to the right side, so I don't kick the person to my left and everything. So, so yeah, so those are those are really good uh, things to draw off of. I think that, that also makes you a more competent dancer as well, as when you do things with like performance pieces, as opposed to just being like a completely freestyle dancer, um, have elements where you practice in a structured environment. Um, when you have to show up on time, you have to be professional. You have to make sure that you're not going to run on you know some fucking b-boy time and be like, "All right, I'll get there when I get there." It's like, no, we have to do the the um, the dress rehearsal about an hour before at the call Center. So make sure that your ass is on curb at this time. And, you know, and of course that teaches you the value of like showing up even 15 minutes before that. So that way you can get parking and get there and get warmed up and have everything ready to go. So you're not just, you know, there by the seat of your pants. And then finally it's like, okay, you kind of hobbled through the, the dress rehearsal, but then we got the, the real run about an hour from now. And, you know, also dancing on a stage gives you a different level of uh, perspective that i think is important because you know people practice so much in studios where they have the luxury of looking at a mirror all the time and you need to be able to get over you know being you know a couple feet higher than the crowd and looking into kind of like a like just a sea of faces and realize that you have to know those moves inside and out you can't bank on a mirror reflecting back if you're elbow or your shoulder or whatever is in the wrong position you have to just be able to feel that out and say okay how do i use my my fellow dancers as anchors as well or the stage even and say okay if i if i go out this place or here i know i've gone too far because now i've like a broken formation and you know practicing those types of things really helps you in the long run on like so many different levels for dance but then also just in life so
1: mm-hmm. yep. yeah Yes, it does. Jason does not fuck around. Uh Uh-uh. That dude is very militant in this stuff. So, yeah, Um, if it's one thing that he cannot stand is someone not being professional. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Gosh, there's a lot of dancers out there that need to grow the fuck up Mm -hmm. and realize that, look, if somebody sends you a contract that means that there's going to be a lot of legal action that will be taken on a contract right <laughs> if you don't perform or if you don't abide it, especially if you if you sign it mm-hmm. um and a lot of dancers don't realize that shit you know and it's, which is why uh, we can't which is why we don't deserve nice things right <laughs> <laughs> you know like that's why we can't deserve we don't you don't deserve nice things. You know, like the nicest thing that dancers have gone so far is the Olympics. Mm-hmm. And even then, that shit looks like it might be in shambles. Yeah. So, um, you know, if you're a dancer and you're listening to this, man, just try and be as professional as you can. Be mm-hmm. on be on time when sending documents. Um, if it's one thing, one compliment that I get a lot from people that hire me for dance is like, damn, you're fast. Yeah. 'Cause I'm like, yeah, dude, I mean you send me this shit, I'm gonna send it fucking back to you. Mm-hmm. I mean Yeah. Like why would I why would I sit there and stare at a deer in the headlights like a fucking idiot? You know right. like I'm gonna read it, make sure that it all makes sense, the agreement is right and I'm gonna send it back to you. Well, you need a, you need a picture? Sure, I'm gonna send it to you right now. You yep. need some footage? Great, I'm gonna send it to you right now. Yep. You know, or I'm gonna send it to you when I tell you I'm gonna send it to you. Yep. You know, it's you're paying me money. Mhm. Like, if it's free, that's another thing. But still then, even if you are doing a free gig and whatnot, I still, you know, it's best to still try and be a professional on mm-hmm. that end. But if you're getting paid, you're getting money, man, yeah. you, <laughs> like, you better be on, you better be on top of it. Right. Even if it's, like, a small amount, at the end of the day, someone else can use that dollar. Yeah. You know, so you might as well show your best and be grateful that mm-hmm. someone's willing to give you something to put food on your table.
2: Right. And how many how many dancers are, are actualized enough to be able to when they see something like a a sea of paperwork, they will know within themselves they're like, listen, I lack the discipline or the conviction to do this, so I'm not gonna like you know, piss in your hand and tell you that it's raining. I'm not gonna say, Oh yeah, yeah, I'll be there, I'll be there And then of course like, you know, you didn't come out to the first practice or the the first rehearsal. You made it to like every other one There's always, like, these circumstances popping up in, you know, left, right, and center and stuff, and it's like, oh, but don't worry, I'll totally be ready by, you know, March or April or whatever, and then, you know, this... Now what you're also doing is you're making the person who's putting on the production lose face, and they're also... The level of embarrassment they're going to have when they have to explain to a board or a committee, you know, when they say, okay, well, we noticed that, like, one of your dancers is, like, not hasn't been there and stuff like you've been sending like footage to us and showing us kind of generally what's going on and stuff. And it looks like there's like a handful of people that are missing. What's going on? It's just going to be like the the three of you and you know, and the person has to go, yeah, well, you know, and then you have to try to explain to everybody else about, you know, flaky dancers and all that kind of shit. And it's like, it's like, no, it's like you have to ask yourself before you do any of this stuff, how bad do I really want this? And a, and then B, Am I committed enough to have to go through whatever hardships I need to do in order to get the desired goal? And I don't think there's enough dancers that um, think about that. So they they think, especially when it comes to street dance, um, that's why I am just as... Um, I don't really care one way or another because I don't really have a dog in the fight. But when people ask me about, like, you know, Olympic breaking... I think of Olympic breaking much the same way that I think of Olympic street skating. I'm I I, I'm indifferent to it. Now, if you were to say now there's going to be Olympic vert ramp skating, that's a different story because that's something that like where those people are athletically training and like you know they can do that move a thousand times. But with street skating, it's kind of like you know you just decide at the last second to you know flip your board one extra rotation right off of a rail. You may or may not land it. Or maybe you you landed it three times in practice, but when you're there in front of like you know, hundred thousand people in you know um, Tokyo or something, there you you might choke and like fuck up someplace. So I kind of have like a a thing when it comes down to like street dance being considered for Olympics. Much like if you were to have like Olympic capoeira or if you were to have Olympic um, parkour, you know I kind of I feel like those are more. Their, their, their natural habitat really is supposed to be more of like the the social and kind of like street environment as opposed to, okay, now, you know, you're going to get this, you know, yeah b-boy that's going to be like performing like this. And then they have to make sure they hit every single mark. They're going to be docked for points. You know, if their shoelace was slightly untied, that could be a factor. In it and stuff, and it's like, wow, that person made an amazing run. And you know, in our dance community, we don't give a shit. You know, if the person says, okay, so what if his shoelace was not ironed out to like this like length or or width or whatever, we don't care because you know they executed the move, it looks dope. You know, but like in the Olympics, that's a totally different standard. You know, it's more about athletics rather than art.
1: But at the end of the day, I think we need to do more research and find out what the judging criteria is before we can really judge it. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Um, I see what you're saying, but in that case, why is basketball or any of these other sports in it? Because at any given
2: moment, someone can choke and miss a shot. But but my point is, like, the difference between basketball, which is a—it's been a refined sport for a very long time before it even— was considered to go into the Olympics versus like, let's say what if they were to do an Olympic and one event, right? Where it's like street ballers that do all kinds of like Harlem Globetrotter type of shit, you know, bouncing, you know, the ball off of like the, your, your shoelaces and catching it or, you know, putting the ball in like their under their shirt and like spinning it around their body and then doing some like crazy shake or whatever. It's like that stuff is in my opinion, that's, that's the, the artistic side. And that's the side where it's like you can fuck around on the street because the consequences are not going to be as great. But if you were to do some Olympic-level stuff and you take that chance, then you better be like a 1,000% sure that you're holding four aces. And, you know, um, kind of the same way that like when you saw freestyle skating, right? In freestyle skating, the reason why so many people had Rodney Mullen up on this pedestal was because he was an Olympic-class athlete. He could do his whole run to perfection and not deviate and not like step off of his board while a lot of a lot of the other guys were all like you know you know burnt out hippies that just fucked around on their board and they like learned a couple of moves and that's why there was like this this massive chasm like there were street uh, or there were freestyle guys that were good but nobody deserved to take Rodney's place everybody was just like I just hope I get second compared to him right tony hawk was the same type of way where it's like he would he could drill and perfect every single move that he was going to do know exactly what he was going to do and then go out there and do his run versus you know a guy like jay adams from you know the z boys where everything was just feeling and he would just he would like um you know he would do a technique in a pool not even sure what he was doing he didn't even know what he was doing he's just going by feeling so it's like if you're going to go into something as serious as the olympics you have to have that mindset where you go like yeah I'm perfecting a run that I know that I can do a thousand times and I can land a thousand times. And then of course I'm going to be compared to a bunch of other people who also practice the same techniques or different variations of them a thousand times. And it's going to be like, all right, so, you know, was my run better than the person from Lithuania, even though we both did the same movement, right? And that's why it's so weird for me when it comes down to breaking, because, you know, we, you know, this, this is a street art form, Right much the same way that you, what if you were to have like Olympic tap dancing? You know, I mean, for me, it it doesn't make very much sense. Whereas ballet has had so much time to be refined that if you were to get like Olympic ballet and say, okay, you're all going to learn this one piece and it's going to be 10 countries and you're all going to do a performance of that piece from Swan Lake, for instance, then everybody knows the criteria. They all can hit the standard but they also put their their flavor on it their perfection on it and stuff but then you you know go ahead and say okay now we're just going to go ahead and have you guys freestyle out here and who's the best freestyler it's it's a really for me it's it's just a weird type of concept to just say let's put breaking into the olympics like i said just like parkour you know parkour is it's got elements of gymnastics but it's not gymnastics, you know. You're not going to sit here and like get docked a point if you didn't do a kong vault the proper way. Oh, yep, your pinky was out off of the uh, the apparatus, so I'm going to dock you a tenth of a point, kind of a thing. It's like you know, you just how do you navigate from here to here to here, you know? And it, well, so
1: that again, that all comes down to understanding the judging criteria. Yeah. So, so um, that's going to be the main factor in this in all of this, mm-hmm. whether we like it or not. It's going to go in there. Yeah. But. I'm, for one, am for it. Mm-hmm. You know, I think it's great opportunity for anyone that goes into it. I think it's another level of professionalism that dancers can embark on now. Mm-hmm. Because you can't fuck around when you're in the Olympics. Even though if people do, you you know, now you got to hold yourself to, to a higher standard. Because mm-hmm. you're going to be holding, you may be holding an Olympic gold medal. Which mm-hmm. is may not be a big deal to you or me. Mm-hmm. But it's a big deal to someone that's striving to get it. Right. Is it going to lose the artistic side? Maybe. I don't know. Again, we have to take a look at the judging criteria and understand what that's all about mm-hmm. and how it's going to be looked at. But at the end of the day, what and the argument, the best argument I feel like that's been made, which is more not even really an argument, it's just a neutral look at it, is look, leave all the breaking hippie artistic creative side where it is. And let all the people that want to take it to a different level or want to go into, like, the athletic side, let them go into it. Mm-hmm. At the end of the day, people are still going to do what
2: they do, mm-hmm. you know? So, fuck it. Yeah. <laughs> you know? And and that, and that's, like, like, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that breaking doesn't belong in the Olympics. It's just like you said, it's about the criteria. So, if you got, like, say, for instance, like, a dancer who is as free spirited and as wild and unpredictable as somebody like Flexum that is going up against, you know, say storm when he was in his prime. Right. And storm could go ahead and hit like the perfect headspin. Right. And it's like, now you're asking yourself, like in that competition, you might say, wow, you know, like either uh Flexum or cloud or somebody was like the better dancer. I mean, we already see this in like Red Bull BC one a lot. Um, or like you know, Rocks Wright is another good example. Rocks Wright is an Olympic caliber athlete, in my opinion, um, to where he can go through and he can hit that run, and every single time he can do it ten times in a row, and like ten out of ten times it, he hits it exactly the same. He doesn't wobble. There's not like a, a point where he's slightly shifted in his baby baby freeze or any of that stuff. So like you said, it, it's going to take a very serious mind to be able to do that, and when some people have like the kind of a naive um, thing where they say, oh, I'm just going to go in there and just wing it, you know, just bite down on my mouth guard and swing and just see what happens kind of a thing. I'm like, yeah, that's, that's a recipe for disaster. And that's, that's the problem that I find. And, you know, cause there's a lot of dancers that are out there that are very, very like talented. But when it comes down to, you know, that level of perfection and stuff, they have to have a different mindset than right. just the,
1: and, you know, it's it's actually – it's kind of funny because a lot of the dancers who we looked up to as, like, artistic, you know, mules in mm-hmm. breaking mm-hmm. are, like, fucking coaches, Olympic coaches. Right. And that's one thing that I think a lot of the B-boys that are, like, you know, B-boy forever, B-boy for life, let's break on concrete type of feel, like, are missing. Mm-hmm. is like, do you guys understand that the realest B-boys who you looked up to are fucking Olympic coaches? Yeah. So – Do you still want to keep shitting on this or what? Mm -hmm. You know? And, you know, and then some of them are like, oh, these guys sold out. Fuck yeah, they sold out. You got to sell out for opportunity sometimes. Mm -hmm. Selling out doesn't make you a bad person. Right. It just changes the image of what people see in you. And, in my personal opinion, fuck those people. Right. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, selling out is what got hip hop out of the Bronx. Boom. So, you know, if that's, you know, selling out breeds opportunity. Right. Now it comes down to how you take advantage of that opportunity. What kind of person do you become after that opportunity? Are you going to become a fucking prick after
2: that? Mm -hmm. Because if that's the case, then selling out wasn't your best option. Maybe you should have stuck to the hood, right? Uh, And 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 being being actualized enough with it, um, you know. Case in point, like look at who I always thought would be a great Olympic coach. I don't. I mean, I honestly I've, I've been so like out of it for so long. I don't know. He might even be at some point, but like aside from storm, um, quick step is another one of those, those types of people who's like very disciplined, very professional. He knows the performance side. He knows the street side. He knows all these different, uh, facets. So, you know, if you were to turn around and say like, okay, quick step is going to be your coach for, You know, the next, you know, eight weeks at the Olympic facilities here in the United States or whatever, you'd be like, damn, you know, I definitely would love to even just go into that boot camp. It was kind of like Red Bull did a really cool thing when they were documenting a lot of their stuff on their Red Bull channel where they had all of their um, their BC one dancers were going to the Red Bull um, uh, athletic facility and doing like different exercises and stuff like prehab rehab types of exercises so you're you're watching them on foam rollers or exercise balls doing like different types of push-ups and like medicine balls and all this other kind of stuff and i'm like that yeah, that's that's the kind of training that you would have to do to be um adequate i think in something like the olympics that's what they're doing right now right you know and make sure that like not only that but you have to be symmetrical. You can't just be the person who says, okay, well, I can chair and baby and air chair all on my left, but my right is just garbage when it comes to shit like that. It's like, no, you, or it's like, okay, we're going to have to focus on all of your, your weak points too because you're going to need to have that um, accessibility to your opposite side if the situation calls for it. I mean, how many times have we seen that with like um, boxers, for instance, where they say, you know, I'm not, you know, I'm not a southpaw but a good coach will say well we're going to train you like a southpaw because we already know that you're great on your right but we're going to switch it up to your left so that way if you run into trouble if you're disabled at some point maybe you fucked up your shoulder mid round and are are you, what are you going to do you're just going to like tap it doesn't happen in boxing so you're going to have to have a contingency plan that contingency plan might be switch hitting at some point or maybe that's part of the strategy maybe you know you're training Um, or your fighter is training against you because you're a righty and he knows what to expect. And now you come at him as a Southpaw in the middle of like, you know, the fourth round and they go, what the fuck just happened? You know, and, and now they're just eating punches because they can't make the adjustment and, um, and be it that that's like a contact sport. So it's, it's very different than, you know, like a subjective, uh, dance style like where you're just watching like, who's got the better style you don't have to worry about someone all of a sudden saying oh I'm going to do a head spin now and the person goes oh I wasn't prepared for you to do a head spin I mean you know we're we're known as like street dancers to just be able to deal with whatever gets thrown at us but still it's it's nice to be able to say okay we have to work on some of your weak points because you've always been known as really good with your tops but when it comes down to your footwork you're lacking so actually we're going to make you really work footwork and you're going to be able to do all of your techniques on both sides and both directions and everything. And then that is also going to give that dancer a whole nother arsenal and a whole nother like level that they can um, dance through. Whereas before they were just like, no, I could, I could win a whole competition just by doing top rock. Right. And you know, and it's like, I didn't have to hit the floor, maybe because, you know, they had an injury or something. So they said for like a year, I wasn't allowed to touch the floor. So I just started going into competitions only doing tops I was winning competitions while everybody else is like scurrying around on their back and everything. And I'm, you know, still up top. But then, you know, you got to get to a point where you're realistic and you say, all right, this person's got like the whole deal. They've got ground power. They've got air moves. They've got tops. They've got footwork. They're able to hold freezes like to perfection. So you just being a good dancer is not going to be enough, you know? And that's something that I think that some people underestimate. So they think, Oh yeah, this is bullshit. And at the same time, there's something for everybody. You know, if you're going to go into the Olympics, it you have to ditch the art and get into the sport. You have to make it into a sport. And there's a difference between an art and a sport, right? Because the art, it might not be perfect, but the feeling is there. And that's something that I think that some people will struggle with. And then there's other people who just say, okay, cool, I, I don't really care about the artsy-fartsy stuff. I know that I've got, like, the best head hollow and... The northern hemisphere so i'm gonna go ahead and i'm gonna capitalize and bank off of that and do this and that and the other it was like the controversial shit remember when uh uh fucking um the the ham brothers like pissed off the breaking community yeah because they were doing air tracks and yeah and of course you know th- this goes back to like that age-old problem that we have about not giving credit or appropriating somebody else's medium without paying the proper um, uh, accolades and like bona fides to people. You know, Michael Jackson was a culprit of that. Where he just said, "Oh, I learned this stuff from kids in the ghetto." Mm-hmm. He didn't. He didn't specify and say, "Oh, I learned this move from Popping Pete." So this is what this move is called. Oh, I learned this from um, Skeeter Rabbit. So this is what this is called. He was just kind of like he just kind of kept his mouth shut mm-hmm. on it, and that pissed off a lot of street dancers who were like, "Yo, you hired us to train you and the rest of the Jacksons for your tour." And then you go off and you, you know, debut this move. And then everyone thinks that you're the inventor. It's got a different name. So it's got your right. trademark and your cosign on it, right. which can be very disrespectful to some people. But if you're a person who's actualized enough, you'll turn around and you'll say. You'll say the names. Yeah. Someone calls, oh, we're, we call them Haminators, And you go, no, 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 no. Right. Don't call them Haminators. This is actually this. Uh, right. And, you know, shout out to b-boy pablo who was one of the innovators of it and Uh this is the origin of it and here watch freestyle sessions i want to talk about that real quick and the person goes oh okay that's what's up and in gymnastics you also see how people get docked for being expressionistic like um Mm. uh what's her name um um she had like that really badass floor routine and simone something yeah and and, like and they docked her yeah. Um well not her but the um the other girl um she's uh I think she's Japanese American but she like her her floor routine she was actually dancing like she wasn't just like using you know hair flicks and like pointy toes and fluff just to get to the next corner to do her you know her uh, her tumbling she was actually dancing her ass off and they doctored for it right and they were just like you know what do you think this is fucking you know, bring it on or something. Yep. You know? so, so so for
1: reasons like that, this is for reasons like like that, this is why breaking should be in the Olympics. Mm-hmm. For reasons like that. Yeah. Um Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like there's really no Yeah, you know, if 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 people keep complaining about it, if B boys and B girls keep complaining about this shit, then well guess what now there's not much to really complaining about you know there's a the thing too is yeah the artsy side the artsy fartsy side yeah there's a difference between that and the athletic side of it mm-hmm. but doesn't mean you can't be creative right on the athletic side of it yep. you know i mean thinking about basketball think about all these like sports basketball football there's a whole lot of creativity that comes in right to all those disciplines so same shit can happen with breaking
2: I mean, Korea changed the game with that. You know, they were they were the ones that you know when they debuted in the uh, the 2000s, um, in the early 2000s, when they started showing up to uh, Battle of the Year, that really changed the way that other dancers thought about their um, routines. their their routines and right. their conditioning and and everything. Because yeah. I mean, and and the Koreans were heavily influenced by the innovations that uh, the Japanese were doing. The Japanese always had like the the most memorable routines they were like very imaginative and stuff mm-hmm. so these guys were like okay well we need to have imagination but we also have to have like pure athleticism so right. when i go into this head slide and then i transition like i i do like half a head spin and then i face the crowd and i fall into a head hollow i better be able to hit that mark every single time right. and not possibly crash out of it whereas like you know you watched earlier footage and there were there were a lot of routines where people were like missing their mark and falling over and you know or they you know spun out um you know too far um, damn near you know bit it off the stage or whatever and in korea they were just like okay we have to be able to perform this in such a a tight-knit spot that it doesn't matter how big the stage is it doesn't matter how buff the floor is like they could have waxed the shit out of it we should be able to do this on that as well as like on you know the driest of of like linoleum and that's why korea like just really made like a like just a fucking mushroom cloud debut debut and like for the next couple of uh years everyone was like yo these are the guys to beat we have to like really come back at them because these guys are doing this and they're they're being like nationally sponsored yeah the korean government was like
1: still then a lot of countries can't beat them yeah yeah i mean you know it's they 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 pretty much did what i talked about in house yeah which is you practice a move to the point where you don't have to fucking think about it yeah and then you can think about other things uh-huh. so in breaking terms you know having a background in breaking i would practice a move until i didn't have to give a shit about it so now i can start being creative with other things right. outside of it it's not yeah, it's <laughs> i don't know yeah people will disagree with me on that with me on that and that's fine to each his mm-hmm. own at the end of the day <laughs> to each his own. Um, gosh, there was like something that I was gonna, that I was gonna add on to that. And I just like, and I just totally forgot about it. <laughs> Anyways, we should just wrap it up. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, with that being said, thank you for tuning in to another episode of styles and Driz. And we, you just literally listened to an episode, which I feel like I'm going to call Dance Check.
2: Dance Check. Because <laughs> it's been
1: a while since you really had, I mean, what, we talk about dancing a lot, but like, since we really like dove into it yeah. on this kind of caliber, you know? So anyways, thanks for tuning in, everybody. All right. Peace, y'all. Peace.